0: I'd like to thank KTMS 990 and Montecito Bank and Trust for
1: making Scam Squad possible. I'm Patty Teal, and I'm Deputy District Attorney Vicki Johnson. Scam Squad is up next.
0: Sound off! One two. Sound off! 341234. One two three four. Dance squad. Welcome to Scam Squad. I'm Patty Teal here again with Deputy District Attorney Vicki Johnson, who always warns us about the latest scams targeting Santa
1: Barbara. And if they're here, they're usually across the country. Hi, Vicky. Hi, Patty. Here's a question I often get. How do people get our contact information? Starting at the very beginning of a scam, they have to know to contact us. And they want to know, why was I targeted by this telemarketer or this scammer? And these are really good questions. I've often wondered the same things. I recently read a brochure put out by the California Department of Consumer Affairs that answers these questions.
0: I always assumed that scammers
1: purchase these lists from marketing
0: lists or different businesses or bought them from fellow scammers, but are there other ways they can
1: get our information? Yes, and you're absolutely right about the ways that you've mentioned, but there are several gimmicks that are used to develop these lists in the first place, and the brochure gave several suggestions of how we can stay off of those lists. And The first one was, do not fill out consumer surveys or marketing surveys.
0: I don't usually do that, but it's not because I'm aware that scammers are getting that information. I didn't know. I thought that was just a nice thing to do. It sounds so innocent. I'm sure lots of
1: people do it just to be helpful. Absolutely. And I used to get these phone calls where people would ask me questions, pretending they were some organization that they were doing a survey. And I used to sit on the phone and give them the answers before I realized this is probably what they were doing. And when you think of the information you're providing about yourself, often there are pieces of information that scammers can really use to try and trick us. And another tip along the same lines, don't fill out surveys attached to products that have warranty registration cards. Now, here's what I didn't realize. You don't have to fill out the survey or even complete and return the card in order to enjoy your warranty rights. Well, I'm one
0: of those people that didn't know that, Vicki, and I'm sure a lot of people don't realize that. Again, by filling out those cards, you're providing a lot of information, which could easily fall into the hands of scammers.
1: Absolutely. And the cards themselves are probably innocent. They're put out by the company. But if they get into the wrong hands, again, you're providing lots of information. Now, another tip that was in this brochure, don't fill out sweepstakes entry forms.
0: You have warned us about that many a time especially if you have to pay to enter a sweepstakes,
1: you've told us over and over, that means it's a scam. Absolutely. And once again, Patty, sweepstakes have topped the list as the number one scam operating in the country in 2021. Here's another good suggestion that was in the brochure, exercise your opt out rights whenever you can banks and other financial institutions are required to notify you that you can have the right to request that they don't share your personal information with other companies. You can affirmatively opt out of having your information shared. And apparently, you definitely should do this. Yes, it
0: sounds like it's just another way to keep off of a list that could fall into the hands of the scammers.
1: Absolutely. And I'm usually too lazy to do it, but I think I better start doing it. And finally, when you give your money to a charity or some other group, enclose a note asking them not to share, sell, or rent your name to any other organization. And do the same thing when you order from a catalog. Get on their do not share list, something I never even knew you could do. Right. So
0: it's a lot like the do not call list, it sounds like, only it's a do not share list. These are all great ways to stop scammers from getting hold of our personal information in the first place.
1: Yeah, and I'm sure it's a fairly easy thing to do. I mean, you might just put a note on the order form or whatever it is you're using, don't share my information easy enough to do. So this brings me to another topic that I'd like to talk about today, and that is giving to charities. And there is always a lot of charitable giving following natural disasters.
0: Boy, that's so true, Vicki. Santa Barbara, of course, in the last few years has had their share of natural disasters, including the floods, the mudslides, fires. I myself have lost a house to a fire in Santa Barbara. And now where I'm at in Florida, there have recently been tornadoes. So
1: what should we do? When you constantly see that devastation on TV, you're motivated to do something to help. You see all these people in trouble and you want to be charitable. You want to help. The scammers know this, and they're going to make it easy for you to give, but it's not going to go to the victims.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've unfortunately heard about scammers who have set up fake charities where none of the money goes to victims or goes to people that it needs to help. And all of it goes to a scammer, that's just heartbreaking. How can we avoid being a victim of that type of a scam?
1: Well, the FBI has actually provided several tips. First of all, donate, to established charities or groups you've worked with before and that you trust, things like the Red Cross or here in Santa Barbara, Direct Relief International is a good one. Charities that have a good record that are established that you know and trust and be on the lookout for organizations with what they call copycat names or names that are very similar to well-known organizations, but one word might be a little off or a little bit different. Obviously, be very careful of any new organizations that seem to spring up right after a natural disaster. The brochure always suggested that you check out the website address. Most legitimate charities use O R G, not com.
0: Yeah, I think I would just want to bring up for a moment these personal charities that have sprung up all over the place. The GoFundMe's where you're helping a family. I guess what you need to do there is know the person personally or know someone who knows them because you sure don't want to end up being the victim of a scan yourself when you're trying to help
1: somebody out. I'm glad you did bring that up. And that is the way you make sure you're helping that actual person. You either know them or you have a friend that knows them and you can make a direct contact and say, is this really going to Mr. Smith?
0: Right. And I know we've talked before about putting the name of a company, or in this case, it would be the name of a charity, plus the word complaint, review, or scam. And that can
1: be a real tip-off too. Absolutely. That's a very good idea. And when you do that, you might be surprised what you come up with. Now, you can also research a charity, and I really advise that you do this, on the Federal Trade Commission's website or charitynavigator.org. Yeah,
0: CharityNavigator.org. They give a rating to these charities, don't they? And then another good place to research a charity is the BBB. They also give the charity a rating so
1: that you can make a better informed decision as to whether you want to donate to that organization. Absolutely. The Better Business Bureau does a great job of that. and I myself have used their website to check out charities in the past. A couple of other tips. Be careful of how you pay. We know that if someone asks for donations in cash, by gift cards, or by wiring money, you are probably dealing with a scammer. To be safe, pay by credit card or by check. And if someone calls you on the phone and tries to rush you into making a decision, please don't fall for it. If you are thinking you might want to donate to this particular charity, ask them to send you something in the mail so that you can check it out more carefully and without rushing to give money. Boy, Vicki, this has been such good advice
0: today because we all want to do our part. We want to help. We want to give. But when you get on the phone and somebody calls you, it's so easy to get swayed by what they say, and they may not be who they say they are. So I think that's such a great idea to get things in writing. But unfortunately, if you do make a mistake and you're worried that you've been scammed, what should you do then?
1: Well, make a report to the Federal Trade Commission at FTC.gov. That's FTC.gov, G-O-V, short for government, and also to the FBI at IC3.gov. What these websites are going to ask you to do is to share whatever information you have, like the name of the organization, the phone number, and what the fundraiser said to you. Great advice, Vicki. And would you give your fraud hotline? Absolutely. Area code 805-568-2442. And I do have people that call me about charities that want to know, should I give to this charity? How do I find out if it's a worthwhile cause? On several occasions, I've been able to tell them, no, this is not a good place to be giving your money based on my research. Don't be hesitant to call if you have some questions.
0: Thank you for doing that, Vicki. That's really nice of you.
1: And do we have any good news today? We do, Patty, and we actually have some personal good news. My husband and I almost fell for a scam. And thankfully, at the last minute, I took my own advice and caught it. He came to me very excited because he'd gotten something on his phone that the federal government was offering free solar panels if we qualified. Now, I was busy reading the newspaper, and so I was sort of listening to him out of just the corner of my ear. He was coming to me and asking me all kinds of things and, uh, you know, how many square feet in our house do we think and on and on, you know, some pretty innocuous questions. But then he came and said, now, what is your social security number again? I can't remember it. And I, I gave it to him. Because I wasn't really listening to him or thinking. Listen then... to your
0: husband, I can't imagine <laughs> such a thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: But then the next question was, what is your bank account number? Oh. And I went, whoa, whoop, stop, stop right yeah. here. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh. I think perhaps we are in the hands of a scammer because as I've said many, many, many times on this show, government organizations are not going to ask for that kind of personal information. So he said, okay, okay, I'll stop. I won't submit this. I said, thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, these cameras are so good. They
0: know that the government is funding certain solar panel programs. And so there they go. And I can imagine many people will fall for that. We've just had it drilled into our heads so much not to give out that information, thankfully. Thankfully. And again,
1: it could have been legitimate, but Uh once they started asking those kinds of questions, I thought to myself, why does the government need my bank account number? Uh If they're offering me something that might be free, you know, what's that all about? Right. Social security number, what was I thinking? Right. Anyway. Better to slow down,
0: stop, take a pause, figure out whether it might be legitimate or not. Once you've given away that information, it could be horrible as you've taught us. Absolutely. Thank God I took my own advice in the end. (laughs) Thank God you did, Vicki. And thank you for all the good advice you give to all of us. All right. I look forward to next week. Until next week. Bye-bye.